Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Acts chapter number 9. The book of Acts chapter number 9. I hope you've enjoyed uh, our journey through Acts as much as I have. I will tell you that I have preached uh, on some uh, scriptures that I've never preached on in my entire ministry of over 40 years. You do that when you take it verse by verse. Uh, So anyway, hopefully it's been a blessing to you as well. The book of Acts, chapter number 9, we're going to start reading with verse 1. We're going to read down and include verse number 22. The Bible says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus 
proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Father, once again, I am so grateful and so thankful for your incredible and your infallible word. Once again, I am asking for uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest upon the message and upon the messenger. God, give us ears to hear what you would have us to receive today. And God, I pray again today, God, that we will leave this room, Lord, not only being a hearer of your word, but we will put in practice that which we receive today. All for your glory we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord, and you may be reseated this morning. Well, for those of you that are new today, we are in the middle of a series that I'm calling Take Action. And what we are doing is we are taking a journey through the book of Acts. Today we find ourselves in the ninth chapter. At this point in the book of Acts, the early church is being persecuted heavily. A religious leader by the name of Saul is leading the charge. He and those under him are capturing Christians and and tossing them into jail, and some are even being killed for their faith. I wonder how many of us would be willing to die for our faith. I wonder perhaps the day will come when that will be required. In Acts chapter 9, this man named Saul has a supernatural encounter with God. We just read about it. And the Bible says that Saul ended up doing a total about face and eventually became the leader of the very church that he had previously persecuted. There are three things that we can learn from the conversion of this man named Saul, who later had his name changed to Paul. And these three things are what I want to concentrate on today. The first thing this morning is this. Who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. Aren't you glad about that this morning? Somebody needs to hear this this morning, that who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. See, see, in our scripture, Paul was the number one enemy of the early church. He became the number one asset. Who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. The Bible talks about a man by the name of Peter. And before Pentecost and his being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter was a ticking time bomb. You never knew when his mouth was going to blow up and get him into trouble. He was fickle. He was unreliable. But the Bible says that after Pentecost, Peter became an incredible leader that people looked up to. The Bible said that he was so full of God's power that the Bible said that just the shadow of Peter had power to heal. What does that tell me this morning? That tells me that who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. Perhaps you have had more than your share of failures. Maybe you have failed as a spouse. Maybe you have failed as a parent. Maybe you have failed in in business. I've got good news for you this morning, and that is who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. Abraham Lincoln, ever heard of that man? 
Abraham Lincoln experienced one failure after the other before he was elected president of the United States. The founder of Howard Johnson's Hotels became an entrepreneur, which eventually led him to a future through his string of hotels. But this only happened after and because he was fired from his job and he had to reinvent himself. Harlan Sanders founded Kentucky Fried Chicken, finger-licking good, when he was nearly 70 years old. Before that, he had experienced many failures. What does it tell me this morning? It tells me that who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. Could somebody help me preach in here this morning? I'll preach a whole lot better if you help me. Amen. I'm going to suggest this this morning. God can take a nobody and turn them into a somebody. David was a nobody before he killed the giant named Goliath. The Bible says that David was the baby of the family. Now, we need to understand that in those days, great things happened for and through the firstborn son, and certainly not through the youngest. David was a mere shepherd. And we need to understand that he was simply running an errand for his father the day that he walked into his destiny. He was just bringing bread and cheese to his brothers and to those in the army. I guess they were going to have grilled cheese sandwiches. I would submit to you that he still had acne. He was simply running an errand for his father the day that he walked into his Destiny. The Bible says that his own brothers ridiculed him. His own brothers scolded him. His own brothers made fun of him and asked him, what in the world was he doing there? But listen, the truth of the matter is God can take a nobody and he can turn them into a somebody. Let me suggest this as well this morning. God can take a coward and turn them into a commander. Such was the case with a man by the name of Gideon. The Bible says that when God called Gideon uh, to lead his army, uh, uh, Gideon was hiding from that very enemy that God was calling him uh, to go conquer. So God took a coward and turned him into a commander. Understand this this morning. Who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. I don't know this morning. Maybe you were that kid that always got picked on in school. Maybe you were the one that got picked last when when choosing up sides to play some game. Perhaps your parents never affirmed you or, God forbid, abused you in some way. Perhaps you have been put down by your peers or, or, or perhaps you had a coach that told you you're just not good enough to be on the team. Perhaps you have been rejected in some relationship. For whatever reason, your self-esteem today is about a minus 10 and you feel like a loser. You look around and you see others and you think that you just don't quite measure up. Well, listen, if you're here this morning in that category, I've got some good news for you today. And the good news for you this morning is this, and that is who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. 
God can take a nobody and he can turn them into a somebody. He can take a coward and turn them into a commander. He's done it in the past. And I'm here to tell you this morning that he can do it again and he can do it in you. Notice the second thing we can learn from the life of Saul who eventually became Paul. Where you've been doesn't have to determine where you're going. Where you've been doesn't have to determine where you are going. Write this down this morning. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this one sentence and it'll be worth coming today. The only way to change your destination is to change your direction. The only way to change your destination is to change your Direction. See, see, see if, you're, if you are going south, you will continue going south until you get off of the road you are on and take another road. Listen, listen, I don't care how much you wish that you were going another direction. I, I don't care how much you wish that you weren't going south. I don't care how much you wish you were on another road. Listen, you can whine. You can whine until your throat is raw about how bumpy the road is that you are on. And and oh, how ugly the scenery is on the road that you are on. And and how you hate the road that you are on. But hear me this morning. Nothing is ever going to change until you get off of that road and start going in a different direction. The only way to change your destination is to change your direction. Some of you perhaps are headed toward the divorce court. Perhaps some of you are headed toward bankruptcy today. Some of you are headed toward a destination that you do not want to experience. God forbid somebody here today is on the road that leads to hell. Hear me this morning. The only way to change your destination is to change your direction. Saul was headed one direction, but God totally turned him around and gave him a new and far better destination. I'm telling you this morning, no matter what road that you are on today, and no matter where that path is leading you today, I'm telling you that this very moment, this very day, God, God can get a hold of you this morning, and God can turn you around, and God can change your destination by changing your direction. Let me ask you this question this morning. How do you know if you've reached your destination if you don't even know where you're going? Let me ask you this this morning. Do you have a plan for your life? I want to help some of you this morning that don't have a clue about where you are going in life. If you're young this morning, if you're in high school, if you're in college, please listen up this morning. It's not rocket science. It's not, you know, the greatest thing you've ever heard. But I'm going to tell you there's some things I'm going to tell you this morning that will help you to determine, amen, the road and the path that you need to be on and that you need to choose today. It will help some of you that don't have a clue about where you are going in life. Let me help you develop a plan. I'm going to do that by making an acrostic out of the word plan, P-L-A-N. And for the letter P in the word plan, pray. 
It's really quiet in this morning. Pray. If you need a plan for your life, you need to start by praying. See, here's what we need to understand this morning. It's not so much, it's not so much about us planning our life. No, no, it's about us discovering God's plan for our life. See, it's nothing. I just want you to sit down and write yourself out a plan for your life. What I want you to do is start with prayer by asking God, God, what is the plan that you have for me? Because God has a plan for every single life. And the way to discover God's plan for us begins with prayer. So I'm going to challenge you today to ask God to reveal His plan for your life. And when you ask God what His plan is for your life, then tell God that you will submit to His plan if He will reveal it to you. Now, I believe that if you pray and ask God for His plan for your life, I believe that God's answer to your prayer will be something like this. I believe that God will tell you to look in your heart and look in your hands for clues. Now, I've talked about this before. There's people who have never heard it before, and some of you need to hear it again. But when you ask God what His plan is for your life, he's going, to, he's going to respond to that prayer by saying, have you looked in your heart and have you looked in your hands? Because if you'll look in your heart and you'll look in your hands, you will find clues, amen, that I have given you as to what your purpose is for your life. My purpose is for your life. So ask yourself, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Ask yourself, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? What motivates you? What, what revs up your motor, man? What gets you excited, man? What, you know, what, 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 what are you passionate about? What, what do you love? That's a clue to God's plan for your life. And then when you find out what is in your heart, then, then ask yourself, what is in your hands? You say, what do I mean by that, Pastor? I mean, I mean, what are your particular gifts, talents, and abilities in your life? Because the gifts and talents and abilities that are in your life, amen, are there by, divine, by, by divinely given by Almighty God. And He's given us our gifts, our talents, and our abilities, amen, to, to fulfill His will in our life. See, God doesn't give us gifts, talents, and abilities. He says, all right, now I'm going to lead you in a total direction opposite to your gifts, talents, and abilities. No, God wouldn't frustrate us like that. No, God says, I've got a, I've got a plan for you. I've got something that I want you to do in life. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put that in your heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive that. That's going to be your passion. That's going to be your motivation. And then I'm going to give you gifts and talents and ability that's going to match that. And with those gifts, talents, and ability and that passion and that drive you have, those two together, you're going to be successful in what I've called you to do in your life. So ask yourself, what am I good at? A better question might be, say, what would be, what do other people say I'm good at? Because I've had people tell me they were good at something. I found out, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm a good singer. No. The 
Let me tell you if you're good at something. Then somebody else is telling you you're good at it. Here, here's, a, here's a good way to find out what you're good at. What is it that people ask you to help them with? Because when people need help, they go to people that have the gifts, talents, and abilities they're looking for. And so the fact that they're coming to you, I mean, unless they say, are you good? No. But they say, come to you and say, you know what, man, I need help in this area. And man, I know, I, I've, I've watched you. I can see you're good at this. Does that make sense? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. The what? Who's talking here? Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. How, you develop, how do you develop a plan for your life? Well, you start with the letter P and the acrostic a plan. First of all, you pray. For the letter L in the plan, learn. See, once you get some sort of direction, uh, start learning everything you can about that thing. Read books about it, take courses in school about it, talk to people who are doing it and that are successful with it. Learn everything you can about the direction that God is leading you. For the letter A, in discovering the plan that God has for your life, align. Align. Align yourself with positive, upbeat people. People of integrity. People who have a passion for God. Because you see, much of who you are and who you will eventually be is being determined by your associations. Somebody said it's hard to soar like an eagle when you surround yourself with a bunch of turkeys. I love the story about the man that entered his donkey into the Kentucky Derby. He said, I don't expect him to win. He said, I'm just hoping the association will do him some good. I'm telling you this morning, if you want to win in life, surround yourself with winners. You cannot be a winner in life and surround yourself with a bunch of losers. Who you are and who you are becoming and who you will become is determined much by the people that you allow to speak into your life. The people that you allow to get close to you and you allow yourself to get close to. Love everybody, but don't hang out with everybody. Then the letter N in the word plan, navigate. This is a big one, navigate. See, once you get some direction from God, take the wheel. I said, once you get the direction from God, take the wheel. Take charge of your life. See, you will either choose your course or you will allow somebody else to choose it for you. This one's a big one. Learn how to say no. Learn how to say no. See, and I'm not just talking about saying no to bad things. We hear about that all the time. You know, say no to drugs, you know. Say no to illicit sex, you know. Say no to alcohol. Say no, no, no. Listen, when I'm talking right now about learning how to say no, I'm not just talking about saying no to bad things. I'm telling you that sometimes you have to learn to say no to some good things, some legitimate things, some worthwhile things. But even though they are good, even though they are worthwhile, even though they are legitimate, they just don't fit in your plan. See, see, if you try and do everything, you're not going to be able to do anything well. 
See, nobody can do everything well, but everybody can do something well. And we're so focused on all those things we can't do well. You know, I'm not very technical, but you know what? I can buy technical. I can buy technical. It's called staff. Don't ask me to run the copy machine. Yeah, I could if I wanted, but I'm not. I purposely don't. That way when they say, I, I don't know how to run it. I don't. I don't want to. I got other things to do. Nothing wrong with running a copy machine. We need people to run copy machines. But I don't think we need the CEO running the copy machine. I just don't think that's probably good use of his time. Hello? Hey, the medical field has learned this. It's called specialists. We need to become specialists in our life. Hello? We need to, to devote most of our time to one, two, or three things. The one, two, or three things that God has called us to. One, two, or three things that God has put in our heart and has equipped us through our hands. Let me tell you something. You'll never do anything great if you spend all of your time doing things good. I see, you'll never become great in any area if you spend all of your time doing good things. You've got to find one or two of those things and focus on those things, and God will help you to become great in one or two things. Hey, Clay and Krista don't write my sermons, and I don't pick out their songs. We are specialists. And let me tell you that people are always wanting our church to do this, to do that, to do something else. Good things, good things, godly things, nothing wrong with these things. But are they the things God has called the grace place to do? Listen, God has called the grace place to be caring people, caring for people. That's what God has called the grace place To be caring people, caring for people. And write this down. We do this. We do this by providing care for all of our people. And we do this by partnering with caring ministries around the world. What does the Grace Place do? We care for people. We care for people. We provide care and we partner with caring ministry. That's what we do. That's what God has called us to. To do, pastor, over there, they're doing that. Well, what are you doing over here? So good over there. Come on, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm just saying we need to understand what God has called us to. We need to be specialists as a church. You need to be a specialist as a person. Understanding God's specific call for your life. And when people are pulling on you and tugging on you and trying to get you to go this way and that way and some other way, listen, they will absolutely pull you apart. You have to learn to say no. Nicely, yes. Godly, yes. With godly love. But it doesn't fit with God's plan for my life. All right, so far we've discovered who you were doesn't have to determine who you become. And where you've been doesn't have to determine where you're going. And third and finally this morning we can learn from Saul who later became Paul. What you've done doesn't have to determine what you will do. What you've done doesn't have to determine what you will do. Now somebody said the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. I've said that over and over for many, many years and some people have heard that and didn't hear what I said next. So don't just hear that. Hear this next statement. Say, I'm going to listen 
First of all, the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. People will call me and they'll say, you know, what do you think about so-and-so, you know, becoming a youth pastor for our church or whatever? And I'll say, well, how did they do in their last place? Because how they did in their last place is probably going to be what they're going to do in this place. Amen? Every time I leave a church, I drill those deacons. I say, you know what? Don't just go on resumes. You check these guys out because you can put anything on a resume. And I said, don't just call one person because that might be the disgruntled person. But I said, you find out. You check out about this man. You find out about this man. You find out about his family. Because what he did over there is what he's going to do when he gets here. Because the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they have done. Although this is true, as I've always said, it doesn't have to be that way. Although the greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they uh, have done, it doesn't have to be that way. It usually is, but it doesn't have to be. You can beat the odds. Let me encourage somebody today with this. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. Listen, if he did, it would have disqualified people like Moses, Jacob, David, Abraham, Saul in our text for today, and a whole list of people. Listen, what you've done doesn't have to determine what you will will do. But listen, not only does God not consult your past to determine your future, God uses your past to help mold you and shape you and educate you. See, see, everything you have gone through, everything you have experienced, everything that has been that has been done to you and for you and through you, it has all been a part of God's process of making you into the person that He wants you to become. The person that He can use to fulfill His divine plan for your life. Romans 8 and 28, one of my life verses says that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are the called according to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. First of all, I want us to notice that it doesn't say that God causes everything. Let me tell you this morning, everything that happens to us is not God's best. And nor is everything sent to us by God. Now everything has to go through God, but it's not all sent by God. Let me tell you that the hard things in life come to us from one or more of five directions. Every hard, every difficult, every heartache, every pain, every trial, every, every difficult uh, Every difficulty in life, all of the hard things in life come to us from one or more of five directions. Let me give them to you. Number one, sometimes God sends hard things into our life. Read the Bible. See how often the Bible says the stor- God sent a storm. Who sent it? Sometimes God sends hard things into our lives to teach us something. Number two, I said... Every hard thing comes in one or more of five directions. Number two, sometimes Satan sends hard things into our life 
He does that to tempt us, to test us, to try our faith. Number three, sometimes hard things come to us because of our own poor choices. We want to blame everybody else. But it's our poor choice. Yesterday I was playing golf with three guys from the church. And one of them hits the ball. He, he's, he hits his second shot and it's about 20 yards from the green. He looks at his club and he says, oh my goodness. He says, I thought I had a six, I got a nine. You know, saw it backwards. I said, hey man, come on. It's okay, pull out the six and hit the ball again. He said, no. I said, yeah, come on, man. You, you thought you had a six. You didn't have a six. It's okay, man. We're, you know, we're, I say we're not on the PGA, but we are Preachers Golf Association. <laughs> we are the grace place. I said, come on. He said, no. I said, well, man, why not? He said, I said, you know, it's not your, you know, you, you didn't mean to hit that with that. It wasn't enough club. He said, hey. He said, uh, he said, it's my fault. I picked the wrong club. I should have picked the right club. Because I picked the wrong club, I have to live with the consequences of the club I pulled. What can you do, can do about that? Sometimes hard things come to us because of our poor choices. But we want to blame everybody else when really, really when you get down to the letter of the law, it's the choice we made. Number four, sometimes hard things come to us as a byproduct of somebody else's poor choices. Ooh, I hate this one, don't you? Don't you? You know, somebody pulls out in front of us, their bad choice. We're involved in the accident. Sometimes hard things come to us as a byproduct of somebody else's poor choice. That's why it's so important we make the right choice because it doesn't just affect us, it affects everybody around us. Sometimes hard things, I've said it three times and one more time, sometimes hard things come to us as a byproduct of somebody else's poor choices like a parent or a mate or our children or our boss. Why'd you say amen when I'm the boss part? (laughs) And number five this morning, sometimes hard things come to us simply because we live in a fallen world. See, God didn't create the world as it is today. He created the world perfect. Man messed it up. And sometimes hard things come to us simply because we live in a fallen world. A world who rejects God's law and chooses to go its own way. Listen, God uses everything that, help, that happens in our life to mold us, shape us, educate us for our good and for his glory. I, I don't claim to be a man of wisdom, but there are people who say I have wisdom and I've definitely been accused of being a wise guy. I will say this about wisdom. The little bit of wisdom I do have has come because of two things. Number one, I have prayed for wisdom nearly every single day for over 40 years. When you're 17 years old and you're pastoring a church and you don't know, come here from Sikkim. And people come to you with their problems and you're 17, you didn't even know those problems even existed, let alone how to solve them. (laughs) 
couples from the town heard there was a young couple as pastor of the little Assembly of God church there, and so they would come to us with their marriage problems and talk to us about their sexual problems. My wife and I were 17, been married four months. We didn't even know what they were talking about. <laughs> but we found out. James 1 and 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, that's me. I don't know about you, but I lack wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask God for it, and God will give it to him. Two reasons why I have the little bit of wisdom that I have. First of all, I discovered this scripture 40 plus years ago, and I pray for wisdom nearly every single day. And the second reason why I have the little bit of wisdom that I do have is this. I have learned from the dumb mistakes I have made in the past. Let me just put it this way. I am the best me I have ever been. I'm the best me that I've ever been. Didn't say I was good. I just said I'm the best I've been. Hopefully you can say the same. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. What you've done doesn't have to determine what you will do. If we can get the musicians and singers back in place very quickly and quietly this morning. The takeaway for the message today is this. No matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, God still loves you and will still use you. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your incredible, incredible word. God, I pray, Lord, that this uh, today, Lord, will be a, a source of encouragement for somebody here today. God, let somebody today, let their life be totally turned around today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name.